0: Net Zero, A Digital Journey, a podcast series produced by Content with Purpose in partnership with BCS, the Chartered Institute for IT.
1: Welcome to Net Zero, A Digital Journey, a podcast series made by BCS, the Chartered Institute for IT, and Content with Purpose. And this series is all about exploring the essential role that the IT professions have in addressing the climate crisis and achieving net zero targets. I'm Helen Cheresky, your host for the series. Now, everything we do uses energy and reducing the amount of energy we use is going to be a key step to get us to net zero. But there's a lot of new IT infrastructure out there, all of it plugged in and wired up consuming energy constantly. Shifting stuff online, you know, like video calls and data centres may well have other climate benefits. But what about the IT itself? How can we get the benefits of IT without its expansion making everything else worse? Well, that is the question for this podcast. And as always, we have two expert guests to help us dig into the issue. So let me introduce the first one. And that is Dr. Bill Mitchell, who's the Director of Policy at BCS, the Chartered Institute for IT. So Bill, just to get us started, um, what's your background and what's your current focus at BCS?
2: Uh, my own background is I used to be a computer scientist, so I used to be uh, an academic at uh, University of Manchester, University of Surrey, and for a brief period at University of Southampton. I also worked in industry in the telecoms world, so I was a, a research engineer at a Motorola European Research Labs, which sounds terribly exotic until you know it was actually based in Basingstoke.
1: Oh, don't be too mean to the people from Basingstoke. Come on.
2: <laughs> the people in Basingstoke are wonderful, but the actual place of Basingstoke is not quite as exotic as you might think.
1: Okay, well, let's let's get on to the IT bit then. So, when it comes to your current focus uh, at BCS, what what are the priorities, especially um, in relation to, to climate issues?
2: Well, I mean, uh, the United Nations were very clear uh, in, I think it was October last year, when they said there is no credible way of achieving one point five degrees as a target. So, we have to radically transform everything that we're doing now it or digital technology is going to be core to enabling us to actually deliver that not because we're suddenly going to make data centers you know completely carbon neutral that's an important thing to do but it's not the big priority where do we use most where does most of our carbon come from it's transport it's energy generation you know it's things like construction so those are the places where we've got to make sure that technology particularly digital technology is being used to enable all of those bigger industries to reach Uh, net zero uh, as rapidly as possible
1: so those are all the big external things outside the it sector in a way but how about the it sector itself i mean you know you said it won't be possible to make data centers carbon neutral overnight but what's what's the current status i mean presumably that that's the aim that that must be the ultimate aim i guess but how how, what's happening at the moment how seriously is this being taken and how much progress is being made
2: I actually think data centers are doing a really good job. They are trying and achieving great things in terms of being um, not yet what you might call net zero, but going there as rapidly as possible. So they, they, they were very forward thinking in trying to become carbon neutral, back in the the early part of the century, where they were using um, carbon offsets to to not reduce their emissions, but to offset against those emissions. Then they moved rapidly into renewable energy, whereby they are actually purchasing renewable renewable energy across the sort of global electricity system. But that doesn't mean they aren't still producing carbon from the kind of activities that they do. And they are actively pursuing that next stage, which is to become genuinely carbon-free and not have carbon emissions They're not there yet. It is still important to realise, though, that if we're talking about data centres, they produce somewhere between 1% and 3% of the carbon that goes into the atmosphere every year. So, yes, it's really important that we do remove that 1% to 3%, but that still leaves us with 97% that needs to be removed. So we've got – although it is interesting and the IT sector can lead, by example, in showing how to become carbon-free – we've got to get everybody else to do it as well. And we've got to do it globally. And we've got to get the coordination and cooperation there at a global level. And if we don't, well, it ain't going to happen.
1: And, and how about the big tech company? You know, it feels like the big tech companies are so big that they dominate a lot of, you know, the, 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 their proportion as a proportion of what happens. They are very, very large. Is there any leadership from them on this kind of stuff?
2: I've seen quite a bit of leadership. I mean if you look at the obvious sort of suspects you know like the you know Amazon Microsoft Google uh, et cetera, they're actually doing a good job in terms of genuinely investing in carbon reduction, genuinely measuring what they do, which by the way is incredibly important. without that transparency, without evidencing that this is happening, there is no credibility, there is no way of having that leadership, so they're doing a really good job on those things. Not only that, they are putting a lot of pressure financially and commercially on their own supply chains and that's going to have a huge effect i think because those supply chains aren't just supply chains microsoft or google or whatever they're supply chains for large parts of the economy in all sorts of different ways so i think it's tremendous that they are doing that and i think that's exactly what all of those big it leaders those tech giants should be doing and to some extent they actually are doing so that's really positive
1: well, we always like the positive news. Um, there's so much negative news, but so it's always good to have a bit of optimism. Um, so let's meet our second guest, and he is Dr. David Pugh, head of sustainability at Digital Catapult. So, David, same first question for you: How did you get to where you are, and what's your current focus?
3: Hi, Helen. So I got started about 15 years ago in air quality, so monitoring environmental emissions, emissions from industrial sites, travelling to all the world's pollution hotspots, and actually looking at how, what are these emissions. How are they impacting people? How are they impacting the environment? How are they impacting society? Really, um, and gradually from there I've moved into more more technology focus. And so now I work at the Digital Casport, which is a UK government backed innovation centre, and our our role is to guide UK industry into digitalisation. And at the same time, my role is to to support companies on firstly, how do they use digital technology to, to enable sustainability, but how do we think about the sustainability of those technologies that we use? Because we often hear lots of great kind of landmarks of there's 20 billion IoT devices out in the world, and that's great, but what that really means is that in 10 years time, there's gonna be 20 billion coin cell batteries at the bottom of the ocean. And so we need to start thinking about what is the impact the technology is having? How do we improve that? How do we bring in ways to think differently about data, think differently about, about the IT that we're using?
0: Net Zero, a Digital Journey. This episode is sponsored by eFutures Network. Funded by UK Research and Innovation, the eFutures Network supports the UK electronic systems community in technological innovation. You can learn more about their work on our digital series website, netzerodigital.bcs.org forward slash UK. NetZero, a Digital Journey.
1: Well, I think that's an important starting point, isn't it? Like how we think about it. You know, there are these headline things that we hear about a lot, like plastic in the ocean and waste. But actually, there's a much more holistic way that's needed when it comes to looking at all of this. So what's happening in Digital Catapult when it comes to the ethics of all of this and changing the way that people think about the whole system?
3: So one thing that we, we and it's the, the term that I hate most of all of technology, but it's still quite prevalent. And if you're around in kind of the 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 2015, 2016, 2016, you probably heard data is the new oil. Um, and I, I once said through a conference where eight eight speakers consecutively had that as their first slide. Data is a new oil. It's going to make you rich. And as a result, people thought, I've got to store up all of my data. It's going to be mine. I'm not never going to share it. It's going to make us rich. And so a lot of data is never used. It's collected. It sits in data centers somewhere um, gathering dust. And what this has led to is that data isn't a new oil, but data really does have a plastic problem in that data is collected and because it's not collected in, in your factory or in your in your office, you don't see it, you don't really feel it because it's it's somewhere else. It's just collected and collected and collected. And what we're trying to do is to make people think if you are collecting data, treat it as an industrial asset. It has a financial cost. It has, a, has an environmental cost. Are you collecting this data for, for useful reasons? Is it just being collected to sit somewhere? When is the right time to get rid of this data? And actually understand... What am I doing with this? And kind of understand the value and the impact that data has. And a lot of that is really good. Um, you know, it makes us faster, more optimized, more transparent. Um, but equally, there are costs that come with storing data and using data and, and understanding things. So we use a framework um, that was developed by the Green Web Foundation. That looks at consumption, intensity, and direction. So cons- consumption is really, do you need the best in-class infrastructure for this you know are you using 5g to send a small piece of data once every three hours are you using the right technology and the right kind of scale of technology for the right use cases and then intensity so where is your data being stored are you using these green data centers that bill mentioned are you are you looking at what is the intensity of what you're using and then direction so is the technology being used to really make impact and positive impact on the environment
1: Well, I think there's a really interesting point in there, which will be relatively new to a lot of people, I think, which is the idea that data has a physical incarnation in a way, and that we're used to the idea, you know, in the past, maybe 100 years ago, data was always on a piece of paper somewhere. And now data is sort of somewhere. And it feels as though it's, you know, as as footprints go, it feels as though it almost hasn't got a footprint, it doesn't touch anything, you can't put it down. And the point that you're making really is that we have to start to think about data as a Physical thing, you know. It, it, even if the zeros and ones move around, it has physical consequences in the world. Do you get much pushback? Is that how how do people respond to that way of thinking?
3: It's it's often something that no one's really given much thought to, right? It's I don't say I don't I don't have a server in in our factory, so you know it's stored somewhere, but it's, you know, beyond my periphery vision. But when you when you start to talk to you about, yep, yeah, it's stored somewhere in that, the place that it's stored needs a lot of air conditioning, it needs a lot of water, um, and it needs a lot of power to store that, you know, one piece, you know, small data sets don't need a huge piece, but you think about how much data we all use on a daily basis and how much data industry uses, that really starts to add up. And then the pushback hasn't really been there at all, but it's more the, the kind of sudden, oh yeah, we do spend... £50,000 a a quarter with a data centre company. That must be going somewhere. And, you know, that's having some sort of impact. So it's much more of a a light bulb moment than a a pushback, I think. Well, I guess it's
1: it's that thing... In 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 almost every industry at the moment, people are proud of less. You know how efficient they are. Whereas in the I T, it's one of the few places where people are proud of more. It's quite an interesting difference. And um, so I'm um for you know to to Bill here or to both of you really, when it comes to shifting the you know changing the direction. And Bill, you were quite optimistic about what's already happening, but. Are there any easy wins left or have they already happened? And what are the big priorities? You know, there's a lot of responsibility here within the IT sector, partly because of the potential it has. So, so are there any easy wins that are left over or is it now just on the hard stuff? And if so, what are those priorities? Uh, so, Bill?
2: In terms of what corporates can do for themselves, the thing I found interesting is, is watching the way Microsoft have tried to become uh, carbon negative is what they're actually aiming for, and the the biggest lever they've done is internally to introduce a taxation. I think that they're not the only corporate to do it, but it really is a taxation internally. So one division literally has to pay money, and this is not just a hypothetical thing. It comes out of your budget depending on what kind of carbon your your division is emitting, and that's been funnily enough a huge incentive to really drive rapid progress. Within Microsoft. Now, as I say, they're not the only ones doing it, but what's good about Microsoft is they're quite good at documenting it and putting this out there on, on you know on web pages and blogs so you can actually see it for yourself. Now, I think you know that kind of real integration of the sustainability issue into your business model, your internal business model is a great way to drive this forward because there is nothing that focuses people's minds more than when it hits your bottom line within your, your organisation. So that's something I think is really important to do. Another thing I think that's really important is for companies to explain in a principle-based way what it is they're doing internally to themselves. And again, I'm going to use Microsoft as an example because they're just really good at documenting it. I'm not saying the others aren't doing it. I'm sure they are, but Microsoft are good at writing blogs. So I look at their blogs. You know, so they'll talk you through the different principles they have. You know, that They're following the maths, Everything is based on mathematics, how they are building their business structures to do it, how you have to interact with your supply chain to make sure they're doing it too. So they've got a really systematic, logical, coherent plan for delivering this stuff and how they're going to measure it. So that measurement is really key. And then you've got the incentive with the internal taxation, really great. Now, if we then look at what's going on as kind of a global scale... I think one of the big problems around making sure digital technologies are used to really drive the removal of carbon from the atmosphere and from our economic output is globalization of standards, agreed common, rigorous, usable, effective standards. So we can actually see how much carbon people are producing. We can see how much it's being reduced. We can identify where the sweet spots are, where we can do further reduction of of carbon. E.g. on transport, we all happily drive our cars in a chaotic, random way along roads. We are not coordinated (laughs) to ensure that collectively we are reducing the amount of crap that's coming out the back end of our cars. That could be achieved through greater use of the internet of things, which unfortunately is going to produce some waste and some more environmentally damaging products. But overall, it may mean that we end up producing far less carbon. So the big, well, it's not an easy win actually, because globally agreed standards that are rigorous and transparent and which you can really use to drive forward change are hard to get right. But it is the thing that is very, very doable and it's going to be essential. Otherwise, all of these lovely internet of, thing, internet of Things products that we have that are trying to talk to each other, well, we won't know what the hell they're talking about and we won't know what, whether or not they're doing the job. So I'd say those are the two big things.
1: That's a really interesting example, that last one, because it it makes me think of, um, you know, the, it's assumed that the Internet of IT, the Internet of Things and having more and more things that coordinate is 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 a good thing but you could just put everyone on the train (laughs) anyway there's a whole system thing about what the system is trying to do there but I want to come back to your point about standards because I can imagine people running small businesses for example listening to this and going well that sounds like a great idea but how could I do that are there you, you know you were talking about the importance of standardization but are there any tools that could help you know companies that are not as big as Microsoft start on something like that or does that not just not exist yet
2: I, I think it's still a very emergent area where there aren't um, high quality, cheap, sustainable systems that they can deploy. I do know though that the tech giants are falling over themselves to develop these things. So al- although they are also, but they are being altruistic in terms of trying to achieve carbon free compute power for themselves over the next however many years, they also see this as a great commercial opportunity to develop the technology that can enable all of these other companies who don't have the wherewithal to develop their own to basically buy in services from the likes of Microsoft, Google, Amazon, et cetera, to enable them to then reduce, reduce their own carbon footprint. So these things are coming along, but I don't think we're there just yet.
1: Um, and David, what do you see as the sort of priority, the, 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 any easy wins that we're missing and the immediate priorities?
3: I think one of the one of the really easy wins is just to understand where your data is stored. Ask your your cloud company, where are you storing data? What what kind of power goes into these data centers that you that you're that you're running where where is the data stored? This is data this is information that that you know the big cloud providers and the small cloud providers already have. So start to understand where things are, what what's being done. The other thing that I, just, especially for smaller businesses, is to start looking at some of the frameworks that are available. And um, something that we've done um, in digital Casper is look at the task force on climate-related financial disclosures. Now, we as a smaller organisation don't need to submit this formally, um, and we haven't. But we've used this as a, a chance to ask the questions internally, and that, especially around sustainability, is, is often the first hurdle: is that people don't know what questions to ask. Everyone wants to be more sustainable. I've never met anyone that said I want to be less sustainable. Um, but it's knowing the questions to ask internally, knowing where to look within your organization, I think is the first step is understanding what's going on now, how do we do XYZ? And using TCFD or the B Corp framework as even just as a conversation starter internally. <laughs>
1: Okay, so there's a big question that comes up, especially in something like the IT sector, which to most people is quite opaque to start with, however many blogs they write. You know, the practices of what happens are quite opaque, I think. Most people don't know how their computer works or where their data is. So how about the problem of greenwashing? Because that follows on very quickly now in that a lot of companies have a lot of goodwill and there's all these people who want to say that they can all do everything. Um, And the consumer is just like, well, all these people say they're doing stuff. How do I how do I know who to trust, right? Is there, is, there a, is there already the risk of greenwashing here or have we not got to that point yet? How do we deal with that, either of you?
3: I think part of the problem is there's no, there's no silver bullet for sustainability. You know, and we, we talk about in, in energy as well. There's, not, there's never going to be something that is like oil and gas that can power almost everything. Different things are going to have their different needs and there's always going to be pros and cons to everything you do. And it's about kind of weighing up this this. Alternative measure we're going to take will have an, a smaller negative impact here or there, and finding the optimum for your organisation of how do we create the the most positive impact? Even though there will be some of the oh you did this and that means this thing this thing here doesn't work quite the same, and there will always be those issues. There's never this we're talking about you know systems approaches here. We're not going to be able to you know put in you know plug in a USB stick and everything's going to be fine. We it is important to question the decisions are being made, but equally understand what is the best that we can do here given the given the pieces that we have in front of us. Um, greenwashing obviously is a huge piece and often you'll read kind of company reports that will happily kind of ignore the the negative sides of what they're doing. But I think being completely as, as transparent as you can be with with your customers, with your employees, with your with your stakeholders is what's really required to make real impact. To go, we're doing this, this is the negative of this piece, and we're aware of that and we'll try and deal with that in a different way but we're, we're moving in the right the right direction by doing X, Y, and Z.
1: Okay. So how about, so the, the other thing about change that is true almost whenever it happens, um, I think, especially when we're talking about big new things, is that it costs money. And, you know, everyone wants everything to be cheaper and there's the cost of living crisis at the moment. No one's got any spare money lying around. So, how much investment is needed to make this happen? And, and is it forthcoming? I mean, how, where does the money come from to, to build new systems, to, to employ people, to think in new ways? What's the current status of, of the funding, Bill?
2: Well, of course, we're going into a recession at the moment and the recession is, is global. Um, well, uh, it's across lots of different parts of the, the global economy. So it's quite hard to make a case for investing in different Types of new technology. At the same time, the alternative is we just quietly sit here while the planet roasts. So that's not a great alternative. And I think quite a lot of people actually get the fact that this isn't just about um, trying to affect ROI in the short term. It's about making sure that we still have a planet worth living on. And therefore, do you know what? We are going to have to try and find some way of investing in it. But I also think for companies that have a longer term, more strategic view of their own future, Yes, it is about that kind of, yeah, we don't want the planet to die. We don't. But in terms of surviving and being competitive in the longer term, if you don't invest in this stuff, then you will not survive and you will not be competitive. I think it will be that kind of existential for companies over the longer term, even though at the moment there is a recession that's causing lots of headaches around how you, you do spend your pounds, shillings and pence.
1: I can see David nodding along with that.
3: <laughs> I think Bill's right. We're starting to see now, you know, tenders that say we will only work with companies that are B Corps, we will only work with companies that have set science-based targets. We will only work with companies that are actively trying to embed these sustainability practices. And that really is future, future-proofing your own company is, is what's what's placed here. In terms of finance as well, there are there are huge pots of government funding. Bayes has the Net Zero Innovation Portfolio. Innovate UK has a huge number every year of, of um funding programs to incentivize and, and to to fund sustainable innovation programs as well. Um, and the, the other piece really is on ROI, sustainability is nothing but continual improvement. If you're using less energy or making yourself more energy efficient, your energy bills will go down. There's, there's an instant improvement if you have better staff retention. There's a whole host of different reasons that aren't linked to the decarbonization and the you know CO2 equivalent. Uh, there are benefits of of working in sustainability and investing in these these areas but i think you know having having done this a couple of t- times with different companies the benefits you'll see are you know 10 30 fold above just we reduced our emissions by 25 percent. it's it's all about staff engagement it's about um kind of bills energy energy bills um life cycle assessments the life cycle of your assets as well are all all benefits beyond just we've saved this much in co2 <laughs>
1: Well, let's broaden it out, Bill. I mean, a, a lot of what we've been talking about has related, I mean, the the first question people are going to think, the first thing they're going to think of when they think of green IT is going to be the energy cost mm-hmm. of data storage, because that gets a lot of press, you know, things like Bitcoin is getting criticised for that kind of thing. But what else is there? You know, if a company, has, someone listening to this runs a company and they say, okay, well, I, I want to do better. So fine, I can think about my data storage and my energy use what else should I be thinking about? What else is on the list? Bill first.
2: You could decide not to have an office and help people work from home so that they don't have to travel into work, which was one of the biggest problems there is. So most carbon emission comes from transport. So if you're thinking about the bigger picture, how do I avoid transport? Well, why don't I help people to work at home? That would be quite useful, actually. And get rid of your office, you know. <laughs> they might think that's a bit of an interesting one to do, but why not? Go for it. Um Otherwise, uh, you you know, make make equipment last longer. You know, what David was saying there about, you know, all these IoT things being thrown away. It's not just, you know, small sensors. It's, you know, like why, you know, you're supplying people with mobile phones at work. Well, why don't you just make those mobile phones last an extra year or two? Why don't the next time you buy mobile phones for your company, you check that you can get the batteries replaced rather than throwing away the entire device? Similarly with the laptops. Why don't you start looking into buying laptops for your teams where the batteries can be replaced so that you can just keep them going longer? Stuff like that. That would all help,
1: uh, David. Have you got anything to add to that list?
2: I completely agree. Being responsible around your infrastructure,
3: so making sure that you're not throwing away things two years in, but if you are, making sure they go to go to somewhere where they could be useful. They might not be useful for day to day work, but the, but a laptop could be refurbished, go to a school, go to someone who who needs it. It's keeping keeping your your IT infrastructure in in a system, even if it's not in your system, in a system before it goes to landfill, I think is really important. Um, looking at responsible data usage now, as co- as coders and developers, we always try and minimise lines of code. But looking at how many lines of code am I running? Am I creating features that are valuable to everyone? Um, we've often seen, you know, um, platforms where there's lots of pieces that that are running in the background that we don't use. So when you're when you're looking at, at systems, understand what needs to be running all the time, what doesn't, and and be able to optimise your um, your platforms and your systems. To to be as efficient as possible, which will again have a host of other benefits as well.
1: I mean, I guess a lot of this sounds quite um, appealing. In in a as you know, when there's financial difficulties, a lot of these things cost less than whatever you would have been doing anyway. There's there's lots of reasons for doing them. And maybe talking about values explicitly as a part of this conversation, rather than just assuming that the bottom line is always what matters. Um, So where, I mean, Bill, you talked a little bit about um, blogs from Microsoft that had advice. What help is available? I mean, is is this still, are we still too early on in the process? You said there are tools that are being shared a little bit. These big companies might start to to share what they know. But at the moment, where do people go for help? I mean, David, you work at the Digital Catapult. So maybe... Tell us a little bit about what what specific help is available.
3: So we work with companies large and small. So with our smaller companies, early stage um, technology companies, we work extensively with them on understanding from a sustainability platform how are they creating value for society, the environment and um, for the the economy, helping them understand um, best places to manage data, to store data. We have a whole host of technical experts whose job it is, is to make sure as these smaller companies are growing, they're growing in a way that that is sustainable and inclusive. For for larger companies, we do a whole host of of sustainable innovation work to to support them on on doing exactly what we're saying. Be more be more um, resource efficient. Be more energy efficient. Understand why and how using digital technology is a key enabler to do this and creating helping create the business cases for them. And um, as I mentioned, we're we're a government backed nonprofit, so. We are measured by the impact we make in industry. So we exist for this exact reason of how do we, how do we, how do, how does the UK deploy and use digital technology in the most
2: efficient way to gain the most benefit?
1: Bill, how about BCS? Is there any specific help available there, sources of help and advice?
2: Join the BCS because we have uh, a green IT specialist group uh, and and its purpose is to help individuals from different organisations learn about good professional practice whereby they can actually implement the ideas that are going to lead to far less carbon being produced by your organisation. And it's a great way to share practice, discover what's out there, discover what works, networking with other companies, because the more other companies from different parts of the economy can talk to each other, the more rapidly we're going to be able to achieve something sensible here. So come and join the BCS. It's not too expensive.
1: I did offer you a free advert there and you grabbed it with both hands. (laughs) Well done. Um, Okay, so I want some specific examples from both of you now that, you know, it's very easy to talk about these sort of, oh, people could do this, things could happen. And I wondered if if either of you had, you know, a specific example. I mean, you've mentioned uh, Microsoft, Bill, but perhaps not one of the biggest companies, but something that, uh, you know, a small to medium-sized company could do. Some examples of someone who's done something that somebody else can learn from or perhaps learn not to do. Have either of you got any specific examples to share?
2: Well, I mean, we are talking about data centres, but if you're a small company that does not have a huge amount of experience, actually, if you can use uh, uh, cloud-based services, that is not a bad idea because if you are working with a cloud provider that is genuinely doing everything possible to use renewable energy to power its data centres and doing everything possible to reduce the amount of power they use in their data centre, they're going to be much better at this than you are. So... Actually, it's not a bad idea to be using cloud services wherever you can, but make sure you're working with a responsible cloud service provider that is honestly working to reduce their carbon footprint. So, I would say that's a very simple thing that you can do if you're a kind of an SME type-sized organization if you're not already doing it. Uh,
1: David, have you got a specific example of either a company or a, something like that?
2: Uh, so, Bill, Bill, be right. Using
3: cloud, a responsible cloud operator is always the the most far more. Um, both economical and sustainable than, than having set servers on site. One great example is a company called Electricity, who we've worked with for a, n- a number of years now, and they're supporting IT companies in removing batteries from, from devices. So looking at things like energy harvesting um, from both very, very small, you know, temperature sensors, all the way up to, to you know, handheld devices and working with them to, Embed their technology into into um, into factories, into um, industrial settings to help companies reduce their energy consumption from their IT services um, has been really beneficial, both from a sustainability point of view, but also from a um, from a financial point of view. Because you know, as I said, energy bills go down when you lose, when you use less energy, um, and so this it's been a, they've been a great example of of utilising digital technology in the right way to to really achieve those sustainability benefits.
1: Okay, so we're getting towards the end of our time here. And I was just, I'm curious to hear from both of you what you think the biggest messages for um, our audience here. So, you know, people who are engaged in the IT sector, who are making decisions, who are doing things. What are the messages, you know, if you had, if you had a billboard somewhere and you could put something on it aimed at this audience, what what are the big things that you think need to be said and need to be heard? Uh, Bill first.
2: I think the biggest thing is we need global cooperation around standards, because if we can't measure what's going on, we can't control it. And we need to be able to control at the global level what kind of carbon we're pumping out there into the atmosphere, which means we need the sensors, we need the control mechanisms, we need the digital models, we need the to net to make that happen. So we all need to be advocating for global cooperation and global standards that are meaningful and effective and can be used as rapidly as possible. That would be my biggest one, I think.
1: Uh, brilliant. It's a sort of like we'd like world peace, but uh, hopefully more achievable. Um, David, what what message do you think needs to get out there?
3: I think the message the message really for me is that IT is not a global leader in, um, in emissions today, but it's a rapidly growing sector and it's only going to grow faster. We're only going to collect more data. And so we're going to see over the next 10 years the digital and IT space go from oh, uh, somewhere that's being seen as oh, very beneficial for sustainability to almost almost the opposite. As more data centers, more more computers, more more data is collected, it creates a bigger impact. So start asking the questions now, and I think that's where it starts is asking the questions internally. What are we doing? How how are we using data? Right? What does our infrastructure look like? Have we got? Where how are we making real impact? Are we inclusive? As inclusive as we could be. Start asking these questions now, because over the next two, three, four years, you're going to see your suppliers and your um, your customers asking these questions as well. And it's kind of getting ahead of getting ahead of the the financial requirements and the business requirements to really make impact and ensure that you ensure that your business is sustainable and still around in a few years, um, and being and you're able to make that impact internally. But the first question is, is ask what we're doing.
1: I think that is a great final message. Don't be afraid to ask the questions, even if there are no answers yet. Fantastic. Well, that's all we've got time for today. So huge thanks to our two guests, Bill Mitchell and David Pugh. Look out for the next podcast in this series, where we'll be digging into even more of these issues. So do join us for that. I'm Helen Cheresky, and you've been listening to Net Zero, A Digital Journey.
0: Thanks to the sponsor of this episode, eFutures Network you can read watch and learn more about their work and about the full net zero a digital journey series by going to netzerodigital.bcs.org forward slash uk or simply searching for hashtag net zero digital on social media and don't forget to visit contentwithpurpose.co.uk or find us on socials to check out more of our podcast collaborations